Ian Adams. Okay. Thank you. Good. Hey, thank you, uh, Patrick and the team for inviting me. It's really good to be here. Thanks for the kind hospitality that uh, my wife Gail and I are enjoying too. I'm going to perform some poems for you this afternoon and reflect with you on some of the ideas that I sense that they are bringing up. It's a really demanding time to be a human being at the moment, I think. And I'm curious about how we respond to that challenge. How can we help to reshape the world for good? And it needs some reshaping. Uh, and my sense is that it does start with us. Here's a couple of short poems that reflect that. Change in Syria, or the next Syria, starts here, with me, with you. Change in Syria, or the next Syria, starts here, with me, with you. Here in this lovely marquee this afternoon. It begins here. Here's another one on the same theme. Brutality all around, softening begins here, pebbles rolled smooth, brutality all around, softening begins here, pebbles rolled smooth. Uh, you probably can imagine that came out on a beach, it was a bad day I think in the spring last year when unfurling was beginning to come together, more bad news, I was just picking up pebbles and thinking, you know, I've got to become soft if the world is going to become softer in a way. So let's roll some pebbles this afternoon. These poems try to engage with the shock and the wonder of the world. Uh, and, it, and it's both, of course, uh, most days. Yeah. Can we be uh, full of wow and can we howl as well? I think we need to do both, wow and howl. If there's a seam of hope running through these poems, I think it's something to do with love. Love as the path and love as the destination. And that path is given particular colour and shape by the arts that inspire me, and one or two of the poems will draw on that, and the land and seascapes that inspire me too. We live in South Devon, uh, so... Uh, Similar environment here. Uh, um, I hope the poems will reflect and draw on that too. They also draw on the mystic spirituality of the faith tradition in which I have found myself, and, and which is reflected in the, in the parish church here. And some of my photographs are in the exhibition there. You might like to have a look at those. If there's a spirit to these poems, I hope it's in the very first and the very last word in unfurling. I'll leave you to pick up a copy perhaps and decide for yourself whether that might be true. Now one of the great things about our poem is the space it offers. It doesn't try to tell you the whole story, but it invites you in uh, to bring your experience, your intuition, your story to it. So um, fellow poets, your lives are poems. Please bring your poems to these poems and let's see what emerges as we share them together. So I'm going to share some poems around themes uh, and then I'll create some space towards the end for some questions or comments or reflections and then I'll finish up with a final poem to go. Many of my poems are about coming home. This is part of my story. I want to come home. It seems to me that we've become, as human beings in so many ways in the 21st century, we've become disconnected and we need to reconnect. We need to belong again. I think uh, I'm particularly interested in how we can belong again to our bodies and to the earth. Uh, interesting, uh, actually, if you're around religious circles at all, how we've not been very good at those two things at all, belonging to our bodies and belonging to the earth, but it seems to me they're really important. So can we become at ease with our skin again? and engage with the earth on which we walk. So here's a poem uh, called Run Barefoot. 
I'm going to stand. I can't, I, can't, I can't sit to do this poem. Run barefoot. Are there any barefoot runners here? Okay, good. It's a geeky form of running, but I sense it's about more than, it's about more than running. Here's the poem. Tender, could we learn once more to run as lovers, landing soft with tender feet, to take off our shoes and run barefoot, to trust our toes and sift the sand, sense the stones and take the shred, the bruise and cut, and feel the red soil pulse again and run as our ancestors ran, so light on earth's dust, skin, the beginning of some sweet recovery and the shedding of more than shoes, the softening of more than tread, tender, could we learn once more to run as lovers, landing soft with tender feet, to take off our shoes and run barefoot, to trust our toes and sift the sand, sense the stones and take the shred, the bruise and cut, feel the red soil pulse again and run as our ancestors ran, so light on earth's dust, skin the beginning of some sweet recovery and the shedding of more than shoes, the softening of more than tread. Tender, tender, tender. I hope that just encourages you to take off your shoes sometime. <laughs> just walk, in, walk barefoot in the grass. But I think it's also something about how we engage with each other and with the world around us. And you know, if we do that, if we, if we take off our shoes literally and metaphorically, we will find that the earth is full of wisdom. Here's a poem about a wild swim. And it's called A Wild Swim with Mayflies. Sliding into the cold stream over booming boulder stones, slipping their uncertain foothold, the current carries me further into the river's flow, out into sunlight, shimmering on the rippled surface amongst mayflies in their short, abundant dance, their Mary's wild and precious life, their delirious path of love. Gratefully, I am carried into the stillness of a clear, deep pool, floating and held, gazing and being gazed upon. I laugh. I had tried to read the river, but the river read me, asking, how will you live your mayfly life? Gratefully, I am carried into the stillness of a clear, deep pool, floating and held, gazing and being gazed upon. I laugh. I had tried to read the river, but the river read me, asking, how will you live your mayfly life? The earth is full of wisdom. I find myself writing a lot about swallows and swifts. Uh, we live on a tidal road, in a village on a tidal road in, in South Devon. And uh, I love that moment in springtime when the first swallows and then swifts arrive. Amazing. I spent a lot of time following them. You know, you can't actually, it's very hard to hold a, a swallow in flight. You just have to enjoy the, enjoy the motion. I'm sure they fly for love. They're catching insects as well, probably, but it just feels like there's an exuberance to them. Stop trying to prove yourself. Become a swallow in flight. Blur of joy. Stop trying to prove yourself. Become a swallow in flight. Blur of joy. You know how we try and prove ourselves. We have to make ourselves worthy. Uh, swallows don't seem to have that problem. They do the swallow thing. I think we can learn a lot from swallows. We need to come home, we need to reconnect. And a connected theme in the poems, I think, is stillness and the movement that stillness makes possible. A more peaceful world has to begin in us. Our stillness will produce a still world or our fear will produce a fearful world. Our anxiety will produce an anxious world. Our anger 
will produce an anxious, an angry world. There's a quotation I love. Uh, this is an 18th century Russian mystic called Saint Seraphim of Sarov. You may have heard this quotation. It's a lovely quotation. Acquire inner peace, and around you thousands will find their salvation. Acquire inner peace, and around you thousands will find their salvation. You like your wisdom from another source, the Kung Fu Panda discovers a similar thing. And I'm discovering that stillness is the path to greater awareness of our connection to each other and to the earth, to the mystery, to the source of all being. Here's a poem called Blown Away. It's about an experience I had on. Uh, a uh, hilltop near us called Drunkard's Hill. I'm not sure why it's called <laughs> Drunkard's Hill. It's got a lovely domed top. Uh, I guess sometimes just feel, I feel slightly disoriented on the, on the beautiful dome of this hill, and you can see Dartmoor, and you can look towards the sea as well. For the first time in days, my head is emptied of the babbling stream of words, blown away by the wind on the hill which presses against my lips the forefinger of hush. There is a time for speaking, but this is time to be silent. Words say nothing here. The wind carries all before it, and slowly I begin to sense what cannot be named, only wondered at. For the first time in days, my head is emptied of the babbling stream of words, blown away by the wind on the hill, which presses against my lips, the forefinger of hush. There is a time for speaking, but this is time to be silent. Words say nothing here. The wind carries all before it. And slowly I begin to sense what cannot be named, only wondered at. I know you're not meant to end a line with a... Is that a preposition? That? But it kind of conveys what I was hoping for, a sense of, yeah, wondering at. Uh, uh, hey, what a great setting we are in here, around here to go and wonder at. Go deeper into stillness, and it becomes a source of revelation, uh, self-revelation, I think, too. This can be encouraging and uh, humiliating in equal measure, in my experience, finding out about ourselves. In Unfurling, there's a series of poem, uh, poems are, uh, in the haiku format. I've already given you two or three of those. I've really enjoyed working with this traditional Japanese form of poetry. Uh, um, the, the compactness, the discipline of it, I suppose, has been really interesting for me. There's a series of poems called Some Slow Epiphanies. Epiphany is like a revelation, like an ah moment. Ah, okay, so that's what's going on. So these are some slow epiphanies about, my, about myself. Uh, some I'm happy about, some I'm less happy about. <coughs> I am loved. How strong this sense. How fragile, a leaf falling in autumn. I am loved, how strong this scent. How fragile, a leaf falling in autumn. Uh, in the same day, I can feel loved and then doubt, doubt it. This is part of the human condition, I guess. Here's another one I'm less happy about. To a man of peace, a shock found myself sliding into pit of hate. To a man of peace, a shock found myself sliding into pit of hate. Um, and here's one. Um, I always wanted a dog named after this composer. It's never happened. Who knows? Would have so loved eight. But seven is blissful. Thank you, Sibelius. <laughs> Would have so loved eight, but seven is blissful. Thank you, Sibelius. Uh, Sibelius famously uh, 
had seven symphonies, and he, he wrote he, he wrote an eighth apparently, but the story goes that he was so um, consumed by its inadequacy that he that he burnt it. What a tragedy! How we would have loved the scraps of number eight, but never mind. Sibelius, uh, thank you for the seven that you did give to us. Uh, so in my experience, the poems I think reflect this. Some some practice of stillness is really essential. You know, we become, if we become disconnected from each other and the earth, from the source of all being, I think we've become disconnected from stillness too. But we need to form some kind of practice. The place we were staying last night, uh, the silence was amazing. It's like a blanket. It was lovely. And of course, uh, silence is very unusual. It's not unusual around here, but most most places that we live now. It's pretty unusual. So I think we need to cultivate a practice that will hold us amongst all the noise and all the stuff, enable us to find a still point, so that it goes from being something that we do to something that we are. And then that stillness may ripple out to the world around us. If we stay with the awkwardness, the humiliation sometimes of stillness, the contemplative traditions teach us that we will discover that we are in some way loved, that we are beloved, and that it's okay. Uh, here's a poem called uh, Draw a Circle, which is a reflection on that. One late afternoon, in early summer, lying on my back in a sunlit room, warm hum of garden life through the open door, I draw a circle and from the floor watch my hand trace through the air a path shimmering with signs of the greater life from which I have come, in which I am held and to which I will return. I draw a circle and am encircled. One late afternoon in early summer, lying on my back in a sunlit room, warm hum of garden life. Through the open door, I draw a circle and from the floor watch my hand trace through the air a path, shimmering with signs of the greater life from which I've come, in which I am held, and to which I will return. I draw a circle and am encircled. Sometimes I um, lie face down in the grass. If you've not lain down, face down in the grass for a long time, you may not have done. Perhaps since you're a child, I encourage you to find means to do that. Um, a great sense of well-being, I think. One day our bodies, in some form, will be folded back into the earth. Uh, and uh, my own experience is when we do this, it's just a great sense of okayness, being beloved. It's going to be all right. Some sense of our beloved state is vital if we are to face the experiences that will come our way of, uh, let's call them loss and darkness and descent. Tough things happen and we need to find ways to cope with them, to stay with them, even perhaps somehow to flourish within them. Is that possible? Well, it seems to me that the, the dark times do have wisdom for us if somehow we can find a way to stay with them. Can we let them work on us? In my experience, uh, living with dissent begins in acknowledging its reality, letting it do its thing. We need to give it space to be. Of course, sometimes we have no alternative. That's all we can do. Now here's a poem called Morning Words. I wake and reach out, but your side of the bed is undisturbed, and there is no warm folding into each other. Your absence coils itself around me, the cold outline of your memory beginning to fade in detail and sharpen in loss. 
I whisper our morning words, but you are not here. I wake and reach out, but your side of the bed is undisturbed and there is no warm folding into each other. The cold outline of your memory beginning to fade in detail and sharpen in loss. I whisper our morning words, but you are not here. We just need to give space some time to the tough times to do their thing upon us and not rush away from them. That's our first instinct, I think. My first instinct is I want to get away from that, but actually just need to give it some space. But in the descent, in the darkness, in the loss, if we can find a way to be there, we may discover that some kind of transformation for good is possible. Here's a poem which uh, reflects, I think, on that possibility. It's called Rust is Beautiful. If you're feeling rusty this afternoon, this is for you. This is about something I found on a beach in uh, one of my favourite places on the planet, uh, the island of Iona in Scotland. And, um, well, I discovered this thing. So here we go, here's the poem. A discarded drain cover wears warm and tender on a south-facing beach amongst rocks, long removed from its place of work, now discovering its paschal task to reveal in its transformation that rust is beautiful. A discarded drain cover wears warm and tender on a south-facing beach amongst rocks, long removed from its place of work, now discovering its paschal task to reveal in its transformation that rust is beautiful. I used a word yet there that you may not be familiar with. Paschal is a word that refers to the, uh, the Easter mystery. So the experience that Jesus, Jesus underwent. Uh, betrayal, trial, crucifixion. Holy Saturday, the, the church calls it Holy Saturday, Buri the burial, lost, everything gone. And then, the tradition goes, the amazement of the resurrection day. This is the, the Paschal mystery, that's the word I was reaching for there, to describe the possibility that even in the midst of the darkness and the loss and the descent, some kind of transformation is possible, some kind of rising, however, how far-fetched that might seem to us, if we stay with that. At some point, some light may begin to seep in again. The, dark, the darkness may start to lift. We may be blessed with an opportunity to get up. How can we do that? Uh, one of the uh, streams I've been drawing on uh, uh, in the last few years is the monastic thing. I I'm not a monk or a friar, but I'm very interested in the monastic way of life. An interesting Rachel referring to nuns in the last session. So I spent time with monastics in various forms. One of the uh, really interesting things about being in a monastery is the bell rings in some form six, seven, eight times a day and night. They're pretty hardcore when they do this. And when the bell rings, they go and do, they stop what they're doing and they go and do the truly important thing, which for them is prayer. And you think about how we can go for days, weeks even, without doing the truly important thing, whatever that, that is for us. You know, that, that, that piece of work, that writing, <coughs> Um, speaking to someone, you know, the, the, the truly important thing, the thing that nourishes us. We can go for days without doing that. So I'm going to think about how, how we can shape, how we can might shape life like that. Can we draw on that as a principle? Could we, uh, as it were, hear the, hear the bell ring and go and do the truly important thing? So I'm going to call these next series of poems, uh, poems of attention and intention, about shaping a life, being very intentional about it. 
So let's call the first intention facing your stuff. Uh, I have stuff. I imagine that you may have some stuff too. Who knows? If you do have stuff, I think the challenge is how can we accept our stuff? It's real, but ensure that it does not define us, but rather release us. So here's a poem about facing our stuff. And this is called The Love Child of Some Unknown Grace. And uh, for the benefit of the younger uh, people here, there might be two phrases, two words that I ought to explain. So Grace Kelly was a 1950s film star. And love child is one of the kinder terms that was used in the bad old days for describing people whose parents at their birth, at your birth, were not married. It's one of the kinder terms, love child. There were others. I was the love child of some unknown Grace Kelly. I'd seen a picture in a magazine, so I knew I had her eyes, her hair, was sure I was her everything. And one summer day she would return with a story of our forced parting and our beautiful reconciliation. And she would hold my face close to hers and whisper, never again. Years later, the winter truth. Would you like to know your name? A girl and a boy in a park, last of the fallen leaves, cold rain off the Irish sea. Then some slow, unfurling epiphany. Still, I am the love child of some unknown grace. I was the love child of some unknown Grace Kelly. I had seen a picture in a magazine, so I knew I had her eyes, her hair, was sure I was her everything. And one summer day she would return with a story of our forced parting and our beautiful reconciliation. And she would hold my face close to hers and whisper, never again. Years later, the winter truth. Would you like to know your name? A girl and a boy in a park. Last of the fallen leaves, cold rain off the Irish sea. Then some slow, unfurling epiphany. Still, I am the love child of some unknown grace. As is each one of you here, we're all the love child of some unknown grace. We can face our stuff. So find guides and companions. I think guides and companions are becoming increasingly important to me. Let me explain by uh, that. So currently, some of my guides and companions are uh, Patty Smith. I just bought her vinyl copy of Horses, if you uh, the vintage that I am, and the the, her, the picture is on the wall. So Patty Smith is nurturing me, and the poems of uh, George Mackay Brown. And uh, I guess we'll go from this place with words and stories that will continue to nurture us, guides and companions that will continue with us. This is a poem about another guide of mine uh, called Columkill or St. Columba of Iona. Stand for this one too. Each time I return to the island I am lifted. I resolve to live in the spirit of the Columkill who was shaped here. Rock hard edge, swept, scoured, sculpted into warm stone, reflecting light. Each time I return to the island, I am lifted. I resolve to live in the spirit of the Columkill who was shaped here, rock hard edge, swept, scoured, sculpted into warm stone, reflecting light. If you've been to Iona, you'll know something about the warm stone and how it has the capacity to reflect light when it's not raining perhaps even when it is raining. If you've not been to Iona, I encourage you, I urge you to go there. Um, uh, a, th a thin place. Uh, George MacLeod, founder of the current Iona community, called it uh, a thin place where the, um, the gap between us, where heaven and earth seems very thin. I think a gift to show us that everywhere is a thin place, actually. So poems of attention and intention, face your stuff, find guides and companions. Give yourself to your calling. Mm. I've only been writing poems 
and putting them out there uh, in, in my 50s. So I'm kind of on the way, and it's never too late to find your thing and to do it. Uh, so I encourage you to find your thing and to do it, to give yourself to your calling. Another of my favourite places is just down the coast here, the Barbara Hepworth Studio and Garden at St Ives. I keep going back there, always find it a very inspiring place to be, and it inspires me to find my thing and to do it. This is called Returning to a Block of Stone. I return to my tools and to the bench, to the morning sunlight slanting in, and to this block of limestone with our awkward beginnings, so familiar to me now. Perhaps this will be the day when the life that is waiting will emerge, when the lover and the beloved will meet. The stone knows, of course, it is waiting for me to give myself completely and to sense our becoming. I return to my tools and to the bench, to the morning sunlight slanting in, and to this block of limestone with our awkward beginnings so familiar to me now. Perhaps this will be the day when the life that is waiting will emerge, when the lover and the beloved will meet. The stone knows, of course, it is waiting for me to give myself completely and so to sense our becoming. Well, there's a wonderful little field of limestone blocks in the garden of Barbara Hepworth's studio, just waiting. And if you've done it, you've all done that, you've all done something creative, you know what that's like. How do I start? How do I get going? This awkward beginning. Let's give ourselves to the thing that's welling up within us. And whenever we can, um, this is another of these poems of attention and intention, give ourselves to joy. Uh, I don't know if this is just a, a thing of somebody in his 50s. When I was 18, uh, joy seemed to come more naturally. In my 50s, I need, seemed to need to work at it a little harder. Perhaps that's just me. I don't know. So let me try this uh, haiku on you. The deeper I go into the forest, the more joy seems to be choice. The deeper I go into the forest, the more joy seems to be choice. My sense is there and it's waiting. I don't need to reach outside of me to find it. It is there but perhaps I just need to be more intentional in the way that I find it each day. Who knows? Uh, seeking out beauty, I think, as well. That's another of these practices of intention that I'm trying to do. It's all around us, of course. What a beautiful part of the world we're in. We got lost in Bodmin yesterday, went around a couple of times, perhaps some of you did as well. <laughs> but we, found a, we eventually found a very beautiful, beauty, beautiful route across... We went to Helland, and we're looking forward to going back that way. Uh, we went to Helland and St Maybe, and it's a great, lovely cross-country route here. Uh, here's another uh, poem about finding beauty, and it's about... If I can find it, it's about football. So stay with me if I can find the poem. Um, it's quite hard to write poems about football, and I, I like football a lot. Um, but when it's played at its best, it is an amazing thing. This poem is called, I'm going to have to stand for this, Jesus Plays for Barcelona. Uh, and it was inspired by the Champions League final in 2011, if you're interested. It's probably still available on YouTube, the first half particularly. We waited years for one to appear, but finally this poet came near and his beautiful lines took our breath away a blur of red and blue on green a play maker threading all our desires into such exquisite spaces dancing close and through and around in a blur of light and color and sound an epic poem that left us silent and shouting for more Jesus plays for Barcelona and he did he had a number 10 on his back that night Jesus plays for Barcelona. Beauty is all around us. Amazing thing. Uh, 
And uh, yeah, if there's another theme, I think it's around nurturing an adventurous spirit. Uh, this is a poem about adventure and about love, and I think often they go together. <laughs> Under darkening sky, we sat on the jetty, aurora sparking skin to skin, the lake, our unknown life, lapping before us, and the flickering of our stars, as if we were the only ones. And in we dove a first dive into love, whose depth we could not know, the smooth and fearless dive of the young into water warmed by summer day sun. We surfaced as one, gasping for breath, brushing cool skin, and in we dove. On the darkening sky we sat on the jetty, aurora sparking skin to skin, the lake our unknown life lapping before us, and the flickering of our stars, as if we were the only ones and in we dove, a first dive into love whose depth we could not know, the smooth and fearless dive of the young into water warm by summer days. Sun, we surfaced as one, gasping for breath, brushing cool skin, and in we dove. Good to dive in sometime. Well, I know the water's getting colder. I went out to the beach a couple of days ago, and Gail said, uh, uh, she was sunning herself further up. She says, has it got cold yet? I said, yeah, it's got cold. Um, perhaps it hasn't yet on North, North Cornwall, so dive in sometime. The life we're shaping, of course, is not just about us. And I think I began by saying, um, you know, how can we live in a demanding world? How we respond to that? <laughs> Somehow contributing to reshaping it for good. And it just starts with us. It starts here in small ways, rippling out. How can we bring peace to the world? I hope we're doing that in some way. Uh, you know, I think it's important not to, not to have to wait till we get all the ducks in line, till you've got everything right. There's another haiku on that theme. Start with whatever is before you. Light and stone, chisel in your hand. Drawing on the Hepworth theme again. Start with whatever is before you, light and stone, chisel in your hand. Start with what you got and give it. Uh, whatever we do to bring peace to the world, I sense we uh, perhaps need to choose the simple option. And there's never been a more important time to choose the simple option, I think, for the earth and for each other. This is called going back to paper. Uh, there is a rude word in it. But I apologise uh, for it in advance. But it's what the technician, the man, wrote on his pad when he came to inspect my computer that had died. <laughs> it's the technical term that he wrote. <laughs> I'm going back to paper and the snug fit of Heaney's pen. The hard drive is fucked, wrote the man on his pad. <laughs> Your data is lost, he said. So I'm going back to the open spaces of A3, to the mysterious flow of ink and the splintering of graphite into unexplored territory full of possibility onto a landscape waiting for my commitment to adventure, to beginning. Just a line, a word, a stroke, a letter, a dot. I'm going back to paper and the snug fit of Heaney's pen. Let's choose a simple option. You know, and I think the way we are brings about change as much as anything that we do. What we do matters. But the way we are as people, uh, I've really enjoyed the warm welcome here. And that, there's a message in that, in this festival, the way, the way it's conducted. Uh, alongside the wonder and the great things that happen here, just the way that's being offered to us. I've really enjoyed that. The way we are brings change. Uh, so this is called uh, Light a candle to start a fire. You could take a sledgehammer to this place. Now, I've often wanted to take a sledgehammer to this place in the last few months. That's not part of the poem. You could take a sledgehammer to this place. You could begin to knock it down and drag the furniture into the street, build a pyre, pour on petrol, then light a great fire, stand well back and see it burn. Or you could light a candle 
you could put it in a jar and carry it with you to your neighbour. Ask your neighbour to do the same. Then move in close and find yourself all flame. You could take a sledgehammer to this place. You could begin to knock it down and drag the furniture into the street. Build a pyre, pour on petrol, build a great fire, stand well back and see it burn. Or you could light a candle. You could put it in a jar and carry it with you to your neighbour. Ask your neighbour to do the same. Then move in close and find yourself all flame. That picture draws on one of the... Uh, themes of the very early monastics in the Jesus tradition who went out into the desert. One of the pictures they like to, to uh, they come back to is the person who searches for God with devotion and purity. It's as if, they said, they become so transparent, uh, it's as if they burst into flame. What an amazing picture. The way we are brings about change as much as what we do. There's a series of haiku in Unfurling which are based around the Enneagram, which is a kind of personality thing that works on how we, how we are motivated. Now I was trying to get my, open that up a bit. Uh, one, this is for, if you happen to be an Enneagram 8, this is for you. Called to fight monsters, take care not to grow monsters' claws. Stand as mountain. Called to fight monsters, Take care not to grow monster's claws. Stand as mountain. One of the dangers we face, I think, is that as we try and resist the bad stuff, and there's plenty of bad stuff and disturbing stuff out there, the danger is that we, that we become like it. And I think that's what we've got to try and avoid. That's what I'm trying to avoid. These poems are all about life and love and faith, faith in the broadest sense, in life itself. Re uh, bad religion of any type is bad for us and bad for the world. But I sense that there is space and place uh, for, uh, well, for, a more, for faith in a more focused sense. And let me, let me describe that as a curious spirituality and generous religion. I like what Rachel was saying in the earlier session about uh, being in, relation, in relationship with something, but I, but I don't know what. I like that approach. One of my favorite radio, Radiohead songs is, I might be wrong, mm -hmm. you know? But there's something, you know, that I doesn't want to engage with. I might be wrong. I like that a lot. Uh, it seems to me important to find a story that resonates w with us. One of the reasons we're here is because right, we like stories, and stories work and uh, give us something to live inside and out from, and faith and religion at their best do that, it seems to me. In the tradition in which I've found home, the wisdom of Jesus of Nazareth does that for, for me in some way. And if you're interested, the, there's the photography exhibition that I've got in the church. Uh, just trying to open that up. A little. I've cheekily uh, written a few poems which uh, try and open up the Beatitudes, which is what the exhibition is on. Let me just offer one or two of these to you. How interesting, how countercultural these sayings of Jesus are. How demanding. Blessed are those who mourn. In them will rise the warmth of spring consoling. Wow. I think mourning is a blessed thing. Uh, blessed are the meek. They amazed shall inherit the earth. Common land. Blessed are the meek. They amazed shall inherit the earth. Common land. What do the meek get in this world? They usually just get a kicking. Uh, wow, and this teaching of Jesus, they, they get everything. And I was reaching for a, for a, uh, a, a picture from our own story in, in England here. Common land, the diggers had this idea that it all belongs to us. Wow, amazing stuff. Let me pause for a moment. Uh, I'm gonna finish with a, with a couple of, uh, one or two poems, but are there any questions? Do we have a roving mic available? And uh, if so, uh, might there be a question or two 
or reflection or comment. Thank you. <laughs> um, what's my question again? Oh, yeah. So <laughs> the repetition of your poems and the way you speak them, it's the sense of kind of put us, putting us under a trance, or me at least. And I wonder if that's a conscious decision, the kind of suspension of the mind to maybe connect with the more spiritual dimension that you're talking about. Okay. Well, um, uh, yeah. Um, I repeat them partly from a very practical point of view. I think it's quite hard first time hearing something. So, and I can do that because most of my poems are short. I'm working on a very long one at the moment. I won't be able to do that with that. But because they're relatively short, I can repeat them. And I kind of like the way that I can then do them at slightly different speeds as well. So I tend to go through first time quite slow, more slowly. And perhaps sometimes the, if it's just a word or a phrase that, that holds you, then it'll, it'll, it'll come back. But I, I think there's something interesting when we, that we're in the thing together. So if you spoke about a, a trance, that, well, hopefully, it wasn't my intention to do that, but if for somehow we're connecting around a possibility uh, through that kind of repetition, then, then that, will be, that will be a beautiful thing. So thank you. Ian, which came first, the photography or the poetry? Or did they both develop uh, okay. parallel lines or together? Yeah, or? yeah. So I've been doing both for a, for a long time, but neither really in public until relatively recently. So it's hard to say which came first. I think I was interested in both as a as a little boy, actually. Just seem to remember a memory now of a camera my dad bought me when I was a little kid. So interested in taking pictures for a very long time, but also writing stuff as well on my satchel. In the old days when you had satchels at school. Uh, so, but more recently, working with words and images together has been really good for me. That's been, that's been a really helpful way to, to think about what I'm, my thing, if you like, words and images. So both together. Thank you. What was the camera? It was kind of a Kodak thing, I think. Remember Kodak? Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> yeah, it wasn't a super, yeah, it wasn't a, you know, really. Yeah, no. Thank you. Patrick's got a question. Um, inspired by the hearing the children responding to Jackie Kay yesterday, I wondered if you had a memory of your first encounter with poetry as a, as a boy. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, what comes to mind is not as a boy, actually. But what really kick-started the second, in, in later life, was encountering the poet R.S. Thomas. So uh, an Anglican priest in Wales writes very um, uh, tough, uh, but tough, vulnerable poems about that part of the world, about North Wales, and about faith. So his God is the God who's just left the room, just left the tent. He's always... You, the curtain twitching, um, whatever. So yeah, it was it was kind of R.S. Thomas that got me set set back on, on that course. Thank you. How are you dealing with? How you? I think you alluded to something right at the start. But how are you dealing with Syria? Sorry, that sounds a ridiculous question. No, but no, no, it's not a, what kind of response? Yeah. It's a really good question, isn't it? Um, how are we doing in Syria? Uh, I mean, change in Syria or the next Syria starts here with me and with you. Uh, I mean, I do think it, 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 that's all, in a sense, all I can do. I mean, I can sign petitions and I can send some money and I can do my thing. But actually, it does start with, it starts here. And the conversations and the, and the way we are with each other here, this is how the world changes, ripples out, I think. How not to become, uh, again, the haiku about a man of peace sliding into a pit of hate. I could so easily do that. But I don't think that's part of the solution. So it's very unspectacular, I think. But it, it's in that small way. Okay, thank you. Good. Any, anybody else? Burst, 
Okay. Good. All right. Um, let me offer you then uh, two poems to go. So th th maybe this poem um, may be helpful with Syria in mind. It's called um, Prayer Flag. So imagine uh, the Himalaya and the Tibet, uh, the, the prayer flags you know, fluttering in the in the in the strong wind. This is all prayer flag, and it draws on a saying of Jesus actually, uh, a really interesting saying of his. Um, unfurl a prayer flag for what is now and for whatever may become. Let it flutter, then snap and slap in the breeze, offering its fragile plea to the wind until one day it shreds to the single strand of your hope for one frayed thread may be enough to move mountain unfurl a prayer flag for what is now and for whatever may become let it flutter then snap and slap in the breeze offering its fragile plea to the wind until one day it shreds to the single strand of your hope for one frayed thread may be enough to move mountains. Syria is it's impossible, but mountains may be moved. So, let's do that. Good. Well, thank you so much for engaging uh, so thoughtfully and, uh, uh, um, yeah, with me. I appreciated that. Um, so, I'm going to offer a final poem to you. It's called Let's Go. Let's go, let's grow, let's go for a walk, let's not settle for talk. Let's imagine new worlds, let's see fears unfurl, let's listen to dreams, let's paint the town green, let's spike guns with flowers, let's confront tyrants with prayers, let's meet abuse with blessing, let's hear people singing, let's nurture our wonder, let's pause to ponder, let's stand amazed, let's fall down dazed, Let's love this place. Let's be flooded with grace. Let's meet hate with love. Let's fly Picasso's dove. Let's honour our labour. Let's love God and neighbour. Let's eat bread and drink wine. Let's kiss and give time. Let's grow. Let's go. Let's go. Let's grow. Let's go for a walk. Let's not settle for talk. Let's imagine new worlds. Let's see fears unfurl. Let's listen to dreams. Let's paint the town green. Let's spike guns with flowers. Let's confront tyrants with prayers. Let's meet abuse with blessing. Let's hear people singing. Let's nurture our wonder. Let's pause to ponder. Let's stand amazed. Let's fall down days. Let's love this place. Let's be flooded with grace. Let's meet hate with love. Let's fly Picasso's dove. Let's honour our labour. Let's love God and neighbour. Let's eat bread and drink wine. Let's kiss and give time. Let's grow. Let's go. Thank you.